0: Everyone and welcome to another Monday morning, bright and early episode of Lunar Crush Live. Today we've got Tron and Aaron from Raven Coin. Although it looks like we might have some some hackers coming on as well, um, but we'll see. We're just chatting with them backstage. Um, as always, you guys remember uh, we do not take payment for our live stream. We bring on fun, cool people that are building in the space and have dedicated their careers to cryptocurrency. Uh, make sure you get in there and ask some questions for the guys. Uh, we will do our best to try and get to them uh, towards the end of the live stream. And please, if you're watching on YouTube, uh, make sure you hit that subscribe button. We have a plethora of live streams coming up. I think we've got, we, you know, normally we do like three, four weeks out. We've got them planned. I think we have like eight to 10 weeks planned out. We've got all sorts of fun people coming on. Um, so make sure you guys get in there and subscribe. Um, and with that, John, what is happening with Ravencoin?
1: Um there, there's a plethora of things happening with with Ravencoin. <laughs> I haven't used that word in a very long time. Um so uh let's talk a little bit about what we're seeing with uh with Ravencoin. Um so I have the last year pulled up and um I'm going to go over just some of the the more social metrics that we see um that really cover the the community growth that we're observing. Um we've done a lot of Ravencoin posts over the last year, uh 10 to 20 probably because we see there's certain times you can see some of these spikes in here, like, like back into here or in here, um, that really stands out, that standout community activity. So over the last year, we've seen the price, um, and this is where it currently stands. It is not uh, has not crossed its, all, its, its high yet, but uh, it's still up 493% over the last year, um, sitting at about 13 and a third cents. Um, we're seeing like about a $1.27 billion market cap, so very, very healthy. And let's cover some of the, the social metrics that we're seeing here. So first up, we've got uh, social volume. And what social volume is looking at is it's really looking at anytime someone talks about Ravencoin. Um, they could use the word Ravencoin. They could use the ticker RVN. Um, they could use a combination of lots of things. Um, and it's really across multiple social channels that we look at, um, not just Twitter, but you know Reddit, YouTube, Um, We look at medium, we look at uh, really any time that a shared link is shared, we look at mentions across social. Um, And so uh, we're seeing that that's up currently 139.4%. So more than doubled over the last year. When we look at the engagement, so if you think about like the volume might just be like there's a post that mentions Ravencoin, but underneath it, uh, how much activity is there in those posts? Is it empty? Uh, And we typically see that with a lot of bots, for example, bots will call out tickers and names of projects all the time, um, but they're empty. There's not going to be a heavy conversation in those posts. Um, And so we really like seeing social engagement increase um, because it means that the community is actively participating within those posts that have the the Ravencoin mentions. So uh, we're seeing that that's up to 121.3% over the last year. There's been 633 million engagements. That's very healthy. Wow. Um, See, it's gone as high as 11.8 million on one day. Um, So if you think about that, that's not like 11.8 million mentions, that's every time someone's commenting, retweeting, um, really participating in those posts. And when we look further, um, we also like to see that that activity isn't just coming from a few different accounts. Um, We like to see that uh, the number of actual contributors is going up, and it is, it keeps climbing. Um, really impressive. When you consider this, a year ago we were collecting double, triple digits, and it's you know still going. There's still activity, but then we have all these spikes, and we go up to like as high as twenty five seventy eight, and here we went to twenty two eighty one. And what this is is this is just um, this isn't all of the accounts. This is unique accounts on a twenty four hour basis. So you could think of this as like a unique user every day that's constantly posting. Um, so super healthy. Um, you definitely want to see that going up, and it is. Um, one last thing just to cover on that, and I want to talk about some of those contributors, um, is really the the dominance. So what dominance is, uh, social dominance looks at, if you think of a pie chart, um, it looks at the percentage of social share that Ravencoin would have relative to the entire crypto market. And that's really uh, a big thing to see. You want to see that go up. You do not want to see that go down. And it gets harder and harder to increase if you think of uh, the, the number of coins being added to the market constantly is growing. Um, we've got, I know we've got like 3000 something coins. Uh, we keep adding more coins. And so this, this number is good. Uh, this is like at at the high here, and this is on a daily basis. This is an hourly activity on an hourly basis. We've seen it over 1% in the past. Um, but like on a daily basis, February 20th hit 0.76% of everything across the market here on, um, If I can get my mouse to actually work, I should have charged it. Uh, August (laughs) 10th, uh, 0.61% of social dominance. So pretty exciting. Um, Just for a second, I want to call out those that um, have been talking about Ravencoin over the last year. So if you think about this, um, fairly straightforward and simple to be an influencer for one day. Um, and, And what that's looking at, it's looking at the engagement, the number of posts and the followers for that specific account related to RavenCoin. Um, and so, um, but if you, if you kind of play that out over time, it's a whole heck of a lot harder to be an influencer over a longer duration of time. Um, it means that that person is, um, for starters, standing out ahead of everyone else that's talking about Raven coin, um, from a engagement standpoint, the number of posts and the number of followers that they have over time, but there's no magic trick here. There's no like, Hey, Aaron, Aaron did one big tweet. Um, This is more like Aaron did so many tweets talking about Ravencoin and all of those tweets got a lot of engagement and his following grew and there's a lot of activity. So, um, so if we just look at the top influencers, uh, we've got Ravencoin, we've got Aaron Day Atlas and we've got Tron Black. What a coincidence. What a coincidence. (laughs) Um, and we've got Leon, Texas, who we've seen, uh, even promote this stream here itself. Um, we've got crypto wizard, um, JC Keen, blockchain tiger and and pathfinder just to point out a few here so um, yeah it's pretty great so
0: with that let's let's bring on our guests today cool let's do it let's wait we got to give them just a second to adjust boom ah. here we go boom boom <laughs> we got when are you, when are we getting into the mainframe of IBM's in, internal systems here we got the white hat hackers on wow <laughs> <laughs> oh what's up dudes Anonymous never. What? Anonymous never talk. Oh, oh, oh. the unmasking. <laughs> there we go. Tron, what is going Aaron, on, dude? You guys, thank you so much for being here this morning. Like everyone in the chat's going crazy, and like so many different languages that I don't even speak. Excited to have you guys on. Oh, it's um,
2: great to be Thanks Appreciate <laughs> you for having us.
0: So always, we always like to start. Um, you know, where where are you in the world today? What's it like there? And, and Aaron, maybe we can start with you.
3: I'm in the great free state of New Hampshire. Nice. So uh, it's a little bit overcast today, but otherwise it's a pretty, pretty nice and fairly free day.
0: (laughs) Nice. It's going to be, be I'm sure you're going to have a beautiful fall up there this year.
3: I'm in the little bit free state of Utah.
0: (laughs) The little bit free?
1: Yeah, a little bit free.
0: Very cool. I've I've flown
2: into Manchester many
1: times. (laughs) What's that? I I was going to say to Aaron, I've flown into Manchester many times, the last of which I think it was negative 12. And I was wearing sandals. (laughs) (laughs)
3: yeah well manchester's a great airport to get in and out of if you can find a flight
0: cool so you know i always want to i always want to start you know we talk to a lot of folks on here and um you know we hear a little bit about their backgrounds and how they got into this um you know in general but i mean you guys it seems like you both have been really thinking about cryptocurrency for a long time um you know especially in terms of like this industry and kind of thinking through that so i'd love you know you know, Tron. Maybe we can start with you. You know, it looks like I was looking. You were even filing patents back in 2013. You know, you've been thinking about this for a long time. You know, maybe you can tell us a little bit about your journey of of finding crypto and uh, you know how it came to be.
2: Yeah. So uh, my my background is is an uh, entrepreneur. I have a, a business degree and MBA and a computer science degree. And uh, when I found, I saw crypto in probably 2011. But the mining thing was like a weird thing. It sounded to me like, again, not looking into it at the time, like you're trying to solve this hard puzzle kind of thing. And what so it wasn't until 2013. And it was actually related to the, um, the Cyprus Bank crisis. And people started mentioning crypto as a solution, right. So they were they were basically taking money out of people's accounts in cyprus and basically we've got this crisis we're just going to take your money <laughs> and people were just like well yeah the solution to this is bitcoin you can't just like take it <laughs> and and so i'm like well this is more interesting so anyway from from that point on then i learned about you know how it works and all of that kind of stuff and, and it was a rabbit hole i mean you hear that from a lot of people but it really is really a deep topic and both from, from kind of an economic standpoint and from a, from a technology standpoint and distribution and centralization, it's just there's so many elements to it, and it all kind of fits together like this, you know, talk about being like a Dyson sphere. like you need all the pieces together, and if you pull out a piece, it would collapse, you need all of those. And uh, so anyway, that that's all I wanted to do from pretty much that point forward. So I started by going to San Jose to a you know, one of the crypto conferences that, you know, even they didn't expect as many people as they did right then. So I kind of was in one of those bull run peaks in early 2013.
0: Yeah. Which is just like an eternity. It feel, probably feels like an eternity ago in this industry of just being like, that was such an early time. I mean, John, that was kind of when you got started and learned a little it, bit. It was like it 2013. Was and,
1: <laughs> and it was, and it's been so long since I, I've, I've thought about the Cyprus banking crisis. I like, <laughs> I still remember that being like a, a turning point. Yeah. Like yeah. there was like a mental thing that happened right then that like light bulb goes off, like, you know, and now we're seeing it in Afghanistan, you yeah. know, and, and, um, but that point, that was like early days and no one really believed that Bitcoin could have that role, but it, but it did change a lot. It changed yeah. the mindset for sure.
2: Yep. Yeah. So it's been an exciting run. Um, it's been great. Yeah. Been and we'll, we'll definitely venture.
0: Yeah. We'll definitely start digging into Ravencoin, but I want Aaron. You know, tell us, tell us how you got started. And then, I, like, why are you a recovering political activist?
3: Well, I'm a serial entrepreneur at heart who uh, <laughs> became a political activist. And I, okay. I became a political activist because I had a very successful healthcare company that had clients in 43 states that was basically crushed by Obamacare and Dodd-Frank. And mm-hmm. so, I mean, I guess the phrase is, uh, hell hath no fury like an entrepreneur scorned. And so that that got me into a political activism mode. For a while, and in fact, I moved to New Hampshire uh, in 2008 as part of the Free State Project and really learned about cryptocurrency and Bitcoin through the Free State Project. So I was exposed to it in 2012. I remember being at a libertarian Free State conference and using a Bitcoin ATM in 2013, so like the very one of the very first prototype ATMs you put a dollar in, and then actually started using Bitcoin in political activism. So, um I formed a super PAC and also a couple of other political organizations in New Hampshire. And so we were one of the first super PACs in the country to take Bitcoin. Um, I ran for U.S. Senate and governor and actually helped other candidates, state Senate candidates and others become some of the first to take cryptocurrency in 2014 um, and then decided, you know, I'd had enough. I, I don't see a an outcome here through the political system. And I... I could go on about this for hours, and I won't. But needless to say, Mm -hmm. uh, came to the ultimate conclusion that we need to work beyond the system and see Bitcoin as being that for money. Uh, But I also see, you know, Ravencoin as being able to, through tokenization, do that in any kind of conceivable market you can think of. The idea of being able to get rid of these corrupt third-party intermediaries is what will really empower freedom globally. So, I learned about RavenCoin through another freestater, the co-author of the white paper, Bruce Fenton. Actually, he sent out a Facebook post, I think, in early 2018 saying, hey, where's this new project? Take a look at it. So I downloaded the wallet. I was like, wow, this is pretty cool. I CPU mined a block, and I'm like, wow, this is, this is pretty awesome, and then, <laughs> and then went completely into it from there, building mining rigs and have been just kind of fully fully engaged ever since that time.
0: Yeah. And do you think, and John and I probably have similar questions around this, but it's, you know, with the current environment. But do you think that that's why I feel like a lot of people in this space, like, are just so, I don't want to say fearful, but they're just, they just don't like, they're you see lobbyists and you see people with like the, some of the current regulation, but they're just like, they don't want to get involved. Right. And do you think it's like that's part of the reason some of the stuff that you were seeing where it's just like, there's nothing that you can do and you're, it's kind of like, it feels like a rigged game a little bit? Well, I mean,
3: it is a rigged game. I mean, I, you know, I mean, again, I've, I've, I helped get 76 state level candidates elected in New Hampshire. I've run for political office. My stepmother was actually the co-chair of the RNC nationally. So I've seen Republican party politics from the bottom all the way to the top over the last two decades. It is a completely rigged system. Um, uh, I was naive enough to think that, well, maybe it's different in New Hampshire, but I, uh, after, after eight years and, uh, $280 Two hundred eighty million dollars for the lawsuits. Later, I uh, I can definitively say I've exhausted that course, <laughs> and I no, I no longer no longer have any concern or fear that I'm missing something by trying to go through the political process.
1: So on, on that yeah, note, John, on that I see note, John wanting to ask you. So, <laughs> yeah, you're you're right, Aaron. I think we probably could talk all day about this topic, but I mean the the how does crypto solve this?
3: Well, I mean, crypto solves the the banking situation. I mean, obviously, we have a fiat currency crisis all over the globe. It's not just the Federal Reserve that's a problem. It's all central banks. And so by setting up a decentralized currency that isn't under the control of a cabal of banks or, or governments, we actually have the opportunity to have a limited... Uh, a currency that doesn't have infinite supply. I apologize. It's my daughter in the background. Hey, so, we're all working but, from home. Great. But budding entrepreneur.
0: <laughs> She's I love it.
3: There's <laughs> a, a, a store that actually. Accepts I'm just waiting to
0: see her put her like mask on with like soldering irons and just like.
3: <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no mask, no mask there. Uh, but I think it's clear what the case is there. But even if you as you start looking at other applications, the stock market is equally rigged. And Tron but, knows this obviously, and 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 Patrick Byrne and all the folks behind T Zero and everything that have been working on this and calling out the problem in the capital markets for years with naked short selling and the fact that you have this one company DTCC that owns all of the stock certificates and they keep them in the basement that got fl- I mean it's just it's amazing when you realize how centralized capital markets are, and so in essence you can use blockchain technology distributed led, led, uh, ledger technology to innovate in every market, whether it's capital markets, whether it's uh, obviously something like NFTs, which is, which is completely new area, supply chain, voting. Um, one of the things that drew me to Ravencoin uh, and, and this whole kind of ecosystem was uh, Patrick Byrne. I heard him give a conversation about building a blockchain tech stack for human civilization, where he walked through how you could basically rebuild. Well, he didn't say rebuild. He said incrementally Apply blockchain technology to, you know, the existing, you know, capital markets, banking, supply chain, voting, and all these other things. But I, you know, I, I think you could start from scratch and create a new blockchain tech stack for human civilization that isn't tied to the existing failed, corrupt government structures that we have in place. And so that's that's how I see how you could use blockchain technology is basically just disintermediate, intermediating all of these third parties whether they be government or corporate that are either corrupt or inefficient.
0: Yeah. And early on, it's like when you, when everyone learns about cryptocurrency, they just think finance, right? They just think like, oh, this is just going to, you know, which is a massive disruption in itself. It's like, oh, it's going to disrupt money. Well, who, who uses money? Everyone. Right. But then when you just, you think about the other systems that are in place where there's trust that doesn't need to be a centralized party anymore. I think it's like a lot, you know, around, I think around like housing and like ownership of some of these things. And that's where I think NFTs are actually going to disrupt. I think it's like right now it's, just, you know, it's in the fun stage, but it's going to get into the more like enterprisey stage later on, which I think will be interesting. And, um, so like Ravencoin, coin, you know, it's been a project it's been around for a while now. Right. And, and you guys, yeah, like what, when, when, it, you know, maybe trying, you can talk a little bit about like the long and short of why was it created? You know, why, why, why did you guys start it? Yeah, so,
2: so it was, uh, the genesis of it was, it was Bruce Benton, as, as Aaron said, and, and he uh, came up with this project of basically using, putting assets on top of uh, the technology that's behind Bitcoin. Uh, that had been done before. Uh, so it had been done by uh, open assets, been done by Counterparty, but they were building directly on Bitcoin. And there was a few uh, challenges with that. So if you sent an asset, for example, and you sent you had to send a little bit of Bitcoin with every asset that moved, uh, and you also not just fees, but actually it had to stay in it. Otherwise, uh, Bitcoin kind of rejected the transaction, and and then you had the potential of losing the asset if you kind of did something wrong on the chain, uh, because Bitcoin was kind of blissfully unaware that assets were being moved and transacted on the chain, and so and this was true of Open Assets, Counterparty, Mastercoin, and different ones. Uh, so when we combined them, so we took the source code from Bitcoin, uh, but not the not the chain, uh, just the source code, and then uh, combined that with the technology or the ideas behind some of these other ones, and then made it so you could create assets. Uh, we had, we made it so that you would get a unique name. Uh, we kind of sped up the chain and some things like that, which were just kind of like hot topics that, that you know during that during that time. And then we launched it in a really fair way, which was, I credit Bruce Fenton for that. Uh, he was kind of aware. it was. We launched, we were building it in the time of like rampant ICOs. And ICOs are kind of like, they were kind of like, you know, hey, buy my share, buy my, my token. And and kind of ignoring all kind of like laws, at least in the U.S. And, and so when we built it, we made sure that that wasn't the case. It was started. There was no pre-mine. There was no dev set aside. There was nothing that kind of said, we're taking any money. And it was, it was backed by a, a division of Overstock uh, or, or a, a sub subsidiary of Overstock called Medici Ventures. And so they funded the development for about the first three, three and a half years, three, three years. And, and then also contributed to the Ravencoin Foundation, which I'm part of now. And so it was launched without having to take money from anyone. And people could, you know, from day one, like Aaron said, you could mine it with the, with the CPU uh, that lasted for maybe two, three months, and then the GPU miners came online and things like that. But our goal during that whole time is also to make it so that anybody can mine it with, like, a gaming rig, and we still have that capability today.
0: And and so I saw it said, like, KaWPOW, K-A-W-P-O-W. Yeah. So what is, when, when you say more decentralized mining, what does that mean?
2: so so if you uh so so bitcoin originally cpu then it went to gpu then it went to fpgas which is kind of programmable chips and then it went to yeah. ASIC, which are just custom design chips you know most people know this right but as you went up that ladder uh you know the people that had the, let's say gpu they were outclassed by an asic by like a thousand to one right yeah. so i mean you could you can still mine with a gpu you just are mining it at such a disadvantage that you're much better off taking the power and electricity, you know, the amount you paid for electricity and just buying Bitcoin. And so we wanted to make it so that anybody could get some just by turning on their computer at night. right? You have a gaming computer, you flip it on at night. I mean, you still game with it, but when, you know, instead of turning it off, switch it to mine Raven coin at night. And that helps the network. It helps secure the network, but it also gives you Raven. Uh, and it gives you, you know, a little bit depends how much you get per your GPU, depends on how many people are participating, more people that participate uh, gets a little bit tougher. Uh, but it also makes it so that you can just get some without having to buy it, right? You, you, you can just turn on your computer and have some in the morning, that kind of thing. So that was our goal uh, and 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 stayed our goal. So we, we did have, uh, we had a originally X16R algorithm which kind of rotated algorithms, and that helped. Uh, eventually someone created an ASIC, which is maybe 2x more efficient than a GPU, uh, and and so switch to Copal, which is a kind of a derivative of Ethash and Progpal, and then Copal, kind of a. But the goal there was to use all of a GPU, like every part of it, like the memory and the, and the processing power and everything. Uh, and so, if someone creates another custom chip. It's going to look a lot like a video card. I meaning, it's going to have to have a fair amount of memory in it. It's going to have all the processing power. It's, it's going to be kind of expensive to create. You're not going to have the, the the economies of scale of, let's say, NVIDIA or AMD. And and so, so far that's working, meaning that the best way to mine it is, is, a, is a GPU or a rack of GPUs or a warehouse of right. GPUs maybe, maybe the GPU can mine, and, and they're kind of a not at a disadvantage to really anybody else. It's really up to your kind of power cost, which for some people is, you know, like they're in a dorm or in their parents' basement, it's zero. So,
0: Yeah, so the, the goal there is just a little bit more democratization of opportunity to be a part of the network versus, yeah. hey, now for something like Bitcoin, I need, you know, capital and infrastructure costs and, you know, buying these different rigs. It's millions and millions of dollars of barrier to entry to even be part of that system.
2: Yeah. yeah. I mean, you, you can still mine Bitcoin. You can go buy a, a you know a, an ASIC and, and, and mine it, yeah. but, but it. But if you're only mining that, you don't. It's not something you would normally have. You're then committed to only that. There's no other purpose other than mining that. So it is it is more of a commitment. To
0: gotcha. And then you know one other piece that you had like in the what differs from Bitcoin section was addition of asset and sub asset issuance. Yeah. That's so a- can, can you issue like like, and how does like Ravencoin play a part maybe in that?
2: Yeah. So, so Ravencoin uh, is the, we'll call it the, the core coin that's built in, you know, like, like Bitcoin is to Bitcoin or, um, or Ethereum is to the Ethereum network. Uh, so it, it pays for uh, fees for transferring things. Although the fees are very, very low. Uh, but it also, you use it to purchase uh, your own token, your own coin. So you can make a coin... And it's not—you don't need to be a developer. You can literally download the software, or there's some there's some web you can go to to do it. And you need 500, roughly what 501 Raven. 500 of the Raven gets burned, meaning it's destroyed forever. That's part of the tokenomics. And the one Raven, you won't even use all of it, but but you'll use it'll, it'll basically pay for the fees on the network, and you can use that to then transfer and you know transfer quite a bit with one Raven. Um, so you, with that you can create your own token you have to pick a unique name kind of like choosing a domain name right? only one person gets uh, you know business.com for example yeah. um, and so you, you have to pick a unique name once you've done that you've created a root asset which is you know right on right in the namespace that everybody has you can create sub assets under that and you can create assets whatever name you want under that because it'll be you know whatever yours was you know my token slash and then whatever the sub token name is and you can create as many of those as you want and you get the whole namespace. Um, And the only person that can create those is the person that owns or owns the admin token for the root token. So it's kind of like building a folder system. You can actually go multiple levels, things like that. And if you want to create an NFT, you can create it at any level. Under your name, the original root name you got, uh, you do hashtag and then some more unique stuff, and that's your NFT. Has to be unique, guaranteed unique. System guarantees it across the network or you can create them under sub-tokens and people are doing it both ways.
1: Amazing. Um, I'd like to come back to the mining uh, question there. Yeah. I, um, so I, I guess what are really two questions, what are your thoughts on China banning Bitcoin mining and where do you think that goes? And I guess the second part is what does Ravencoin do better to mine in a more ecologically friendly manner?
2: Yeah, uh, so uh, banning, Uh, Bitcoin mining, um, it's, I mean, it was a temporary hiccup. Uh, The nice part is, you know, all of these networks, uh, you know, Bitcoin and Ravencoin included, they adapt very, very quickly, and it kind of doesn't matter, right? I mean, it did for a little bit, because China was a big mining place, just because power was cheap, right? And then also a lot of they were making the ASICs there. And so when they pulled that, there was there was a dip, and it's coming back up as they move the hardware to you know places like Texas or Washington State or whatever. They can also get you know hydro mining and things like that. Uh, it does take power, um, and so the ecological thing, it's, you know, not as bad as some people say. I mean, it's a small people compare it to size of countries, but I mean this this is a global, you know, both RavenCoin and Bitcoin global networks that do you know storing you know. You know, currently billions or trillions, in the case of Bitcoin dollars, uh, worth of value. Um, so it, it's a small part of that. Um, it is important, I think. Uh, specifically, proof of work mining, uh, as distinguished with what, what Ethereum's moving to, which is proof of stake. It's not a good. What proof of stake is not a good way to distribute coins. Once they're distributed, you can move there. Proof of work, though. Is the, is the best and fairest way to distribute coins, right? I don't start with a bucket of, of coins and say, hey, you know, give us money, you know, and some projects did, but, we, you know, they, they were all mined and existence. somebody took the risk, ran their cards, used some power and got it, uh, you know, and got Raven. And, and that's been true for the whole whole time. Like all, all Raven's been existence. Hmm.
0: And I actually want to go back just a little bit to you know, it's like Aaron. You like it seems like you've got a lot of experience um, working in and out of like legislation or government. And I mean, it's like like where is this going, right? Like where it's like it seems like a lot of the different you know parties that are out there within cryptocurrency, especially in the U.S. It's like they're like, well, if you're not going to let me play here. And start to innovate and start to push this world forward that already, you know, all of these banks and all these other people are trying to kind of figure out. They're going, all these entre- entrepreneurs are going somewhere else, right? Like a lot of the folks in the space that I talk to, you know, especially people we'll call it 24 to 30, right? They're, they can go anywhere now and they can work anywhere. And so it's like, they're like, I'm moving to Singapore, you know, or I'm moving to Portugal. You know, I hear a lot of that. So it's like, these are all people that probably used to go work for go to Silicon Valley and go start a business or go do something else. And now they're just like, I have these options. And when do you think the U S finally understands that we need to be competitive, right? It's it's like, even with our business, you have people calling us from all over Europe or all these other places saying, start over here, start over here. You have Estonian e-citizenship, but with the U S it's like, Hey, don't play here. Like we're like, how long until they finally wake up?
3: I mean I, I don't know if they will wake up I mean, I mean i think we're in the middle of a collapse right now i mean if you look at 29 trillion dollars worth of debt 100 trillion dollars worth of unfunded liabilities and they keep on shooting themselves in the foot what are we doing we're printing more money we're passing 3.5 trillion dollars worth of spending we're doing another trillion dollars worth of uh, infrastructure bill there is no feedback mechanism within government but at the fundamental level of government you have to understand the, the Government needs to get their money from the Federal Reserve. I mean, it's the relationship between the federal government and the Federal Reserve where it's like, okay, we have our bonds. Well, who buys the bonds? Well, ultimately, banks who then (laughs) get them bought, purchased by the Federal Reserve. So there's actually no incentive for a politician to embrace cryptocurrency. It's actually an existential threat, but they're clearly not moving in any intelligent way towards understanding crypto. But they have no reason to. They have no incentive to. So this is why. I don't know if they're going to adapt or not. But these other countries that you mentioned, I mean, Portugal, Singapore, are they going to to stick with it and be crypto friendly, or is this just a teaser? And then once everybody gets in there, they're going to try to you know put the hammer on them because certainly we all know that's happened before. Um, this is why I'm kind of interested in the idea of completely new decentralized governance structures. So it's just like in the United States, if you're going to incorporate you corp- incorporate in Delaware, but not, why not create a virtual political entity? that people can start using and conduct business through that vehicle, as opposed to any one of these nation states, because I'm not aware of any nation state that's, that's actually, if you take a step back and reverse engineer what their first principles were, if any, that got them to where they are, none of them are appealing. So I, I, which to me, I see is the big opportunity. That's the kind of thing I'm really excited about. I'm really interested in what kind of new, decentralized political system can we have? And I think frankly, Ravencoin may may play, play a part of that, but I don't have any optimism that America is gonna get its act together. And I think the people that are working with lobbyists are gonna end up tainting crypto as they go through the process. I mean, I can see people going from, yeah, this is decentralized and, you know, uh, this is going to destroy the state and banking is going to be great and everything else. And then all of a sudden, well, we've negotiated this and now KYC is mandatory for every everything. But that's OK. That was a win. That's one small step. And then slice by slice, all of the key benefits and attributes of crypto end up getting washed away through these, you know, little negotiations through the political process.
0: Yeah. And that's kind of interesting to think about, like. People always ask, it's like, well, where is where is the company? It's like, well, most of these new companies, they're they're in the cloud, right? They're not they're not physically actually anywhere. There's people in different countries that are living there. But it's like, you know, so say they there's a world where there is no government, you know, we'll play for fun. It's like now these companies though, or now like all these startups and some of these protocols, they're beholden a lot to companies, right? Like built on like the cloud, right? So it's like that's like this next layer of. And it's like, well, is it the government's that are going to be nicer to everyone? Or is it these corporations that are more centralized that it's going to be nicer to everyone? It's like you still have this battle that you're going to kind of like wage, I guess.
3: There is. And you could create a decentralized political system from first principles that perhaps addresses some of that, where the people that are participating in that system are doing so voluntarily. I'm not claiming I know what the answer is, but I, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm definitely interested in pursuing the questions because I'm, I'm You know again i i I love america i love the founding you know the founding fathers reading the federalist papers looking at and that's my favorite part of history is the revolutionary war part of history but that has nothing to do with where we are right now this country has nothing to do with i mean most of the constitution is is no longer valid so once you look at it that way if you were to say well have we learned anything in 244 years and if we were going to sit down and have a conversation from first principles with what we've learned over 244 years what would we come up with as a governance model, I, I'm interested in that question.
1: I'm I'm equally interested in who's actually going to be the ones to sit down and have that conversation when it's in, when it's so rigged that only certain individuals have that right. It's a, well, it's this a tough. Is
3: why, this is why it should be an open conversation amongst free people. It, it shouldn't be. It certainly shouldn't be led by government <laughs> or any right. of the people currently in it. I mean, it's kind of an open open conversation, just like you know the founding of, of this country was an open, very intellectual, interesting conversations. If you, if you reread some of these things like the Federalist Papers and you look at our political discourse now, you, you wonder, you know, how far, I mean, this is idiocracy if you look at if compare <laughs> political discourse from, from those two different time points.
1: What I think what scares me the most, I totally love what you're saying. And I feel like I've had roughly similar conversations 30 separate times. And what scares me the most is every time I have these conversations, the people I'm talking to are like shocked. Wait, what do you mean that the Federal Reserve buys the money they print? Wait, how does that all work? How, <laughs> wait, how, like they're just—it's it, almost like the system is built upon ignorance. And once you know, you start to go, "Oh shit!" Like we have got some problems on our hands. Yeah. And and we we do—we have problems
0: on our hands. <laughs> yeah. The, but once you right,
3: that- once you yeah,
0: sorry. No, no, go go ahead, Aaron.
3: I'll just say once you're red pilled, you can't go back. But then try but then every time you try to enter into a new conversation with somebody, you have to go through a three minute over or three hour overview just to and then they don't believe you because you know then right. you're in the 1012 hat range. If you explain how the Federal Reserve works, nobody will believe you the first right. time you tell them. I mean, unless they've been exposed to it in any other way, they literally they just, it sounds absolutely outrageous. So that's tough because there's a lot of unlearning that has to be done. And I think that, you know, currently our, our educational system certainly teaches the opposite of what is actually going on. So it's that unlearning process that's even more cumbersome than uh, than anything else, because you need to get people to kind of an even even footing so that you can have a conversation.
2: But, but,
3: yeah, I, but I think crypto helps with that. Right. I mean, because
2: because people start asking the question of like, you know, what gives Ravencoin value? What is the what is the mechanism? And it allows you to start that conversation with people. So I, I think it's been helpful. Um, and then as they print, you know, another $4 trillion or whatever, and crypto kind of goes up, you're kind of like, yep, here's why. I mean, it's a, you can't just keep, I mean, you can't you just can't keep printing money and just assume that it, it's going to work. I mean, it just doesn't, yeah.
0: Yeah. And there's like a couple of really like, interesting things that have happened, especially over the last year and a half, where it's like this younger generation is getting exposed to understanding finance in a way that maybe younger generations have never, because the speed of information is there. And they're starting, like there's people that are asking the question, like, what, what does happen when they print this money and where does that come from? And I think, you know, government is so big that there's maybe a disconnect in people thinking that like their dollar is being used for these things that, you know they don't feel represented on right and that disconnect has become so big that people are finally like asking those questions and it's i think it you know it really goes back to the to the financial crisis you know 2008 2009 where you know for the like for the first time for like maybe this millennial generation you know you had the government kind of picking winners and losers right you had hey we're going to bail out aig and that aig just because aig has insurance contracts for goldman sachs and so it's mm-hmm. like wait you picked that person and then when you find out that there's specific people in government that used to work at Goldman Sachs it's like well wait do you think that maybe that that had a small influence because there was no one from Lehman Brothers that was there and they got squashed there was no one from Bear Stearns there and they got squashed so it's like you start to think that and then now you see what happened because of like COVID which I think just catapulted everything forward which is like Well, wait, why did we save Carnival Cruise Lines? Do we need six or seven? And not picking just on them, a lot of them, it's like, do we need all of these cruise lines? Do we need all of these airlines? Like, can't we let people fail? Isn't that what the system is? So when people think that there's capitalism, maybe it's like a pseudo system. So it's just like you think it is, but it's not.
2: Yeah. and, And and to be careful, right? I mean, it's like you say, Oh, we have this capital system, capitalism system, but it's not, it's sort of a manipulated one, right? I mean, interest rates are set by the government, not a, a balance between savings and need for borrowing and things like that, right? Systems that are kind of dynamic in and of themselves that have a market based you know, uh, feedback loop that, that sets these things. I mean, those systems existed when I was a kid and <laughs> don't anymore. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's shifted.
3: But I I think you're exactly right. And I'm optimistic. And I think this is one of the reasons that Ravencoin saw saw such a huge jump in social traffic and engagement was because of Wall Street bets. I mean, Patrick Byrne had been talking about naked short selling for years, and either he was dismissed or people didn't understand it or whatever it happened to be. Then all of a sudden, you know, Reddit pops up and you have GameStop. And now everybody's talking about, you know, uh, teeth plus three settlement. And they're talking about naked short selling and you have all of these hearings going on. And and so that that to me is very optimistic. And I think that you could have similar things happen. I mean, I joke around uh, online a lot about a bank run. But I mean, honestly, I think at some point, you know, you're not going to get Congress to vote to constrain their spending. But there is an ultimate way of of kind of, you know, controlling this, you know, dump your fiat, move on to crypto. But you could have similar Wall Street bet types movements for for stocks or for any market that has um a third party in the middle that's corrupting the entire process of course the only thing that we need to do though is we need to have a decentralized free speech platform because one of the things that deeply concerns me is the censorship that goes on through big tech I, to me big tech is indistinguishable from big government at this point with respect <laughs> to censorship i posted a thing today I, I i got a 24-hour ban on facebook for posting a chart from the government accountability office that explained how many of which type of weapon the Taliban now has as a result of the thing from Afghanistan? I didn't even provide any commentary. It's from government source, and they gave me a ban, and then gave me no ability to appeal. And that's just one. That's my only example for today, personally. But I've had, I, you know, i probably <laughs> so been, one uh, example
0: from just today.
3: <laughs> uh, from from just today, but I've probably sure. had eight or ten different uh, bans from from Facebook, and I've I lost two thousand followers during the the purge during the election process. So I think, so it, provided we can keep a censorship resistant communications platform available, then I think, I think people will come to their senses and share information. And this is how we can, we can create real change in a kind of grassroots basis.
0: Yeah. And, you know, to kind of just think, pivot a little bit on it, but it's like, it's kind of fun though. Cause I think like just the proliferation of cryptocurrency and the amount of people that are focused on and interested in it, doesn't that doesn't that give you a little bit of hope, though, that like there are people that are seeing this and they're starting businesses and doing this in a different way. And a lot of the really smart people that might otherwise, you know, they maybe they would have gone to Wall Street or maybe they would have went, you know, to Silicon Valley. Now they're looking at this other thing going like, OK, there's something else here. Oh, yeah. Right. Like, I think that gives me hope to say that, like, the, the right people at the right time are noticing these things. And it's only a matter of time before, I mean, this stuff is, it could grow so quickly. Like, creating a DAO and having thousands of people join and having a governance structure, like, there, it might not look like what we think it would look like with a couple of small, like, powers that be kind of controlling. It's just going to have this proliferation of a, thousands of little ones that all figure out how to work together.
3: Yep.
2: Yeah, and and, want, and okay. Go
1: ahead.
0: No, go ahead. You first.
2: Right, so, so, I think that's one of the benefits of having lots of cryptocurrencies and lots of experiments and lots of uh, smart contracts and things is, is that these things are kind of linking and talking to each other, but they're completely decentralized in the sense that, like, it, it's growing really fast. So, so when we have like a, you know, the maximalists say, oh, it's just Bitcoin. Right, that would be a very, very dangerous place to be because it's like one, one. I mean, it's one decentralized platform, but the whole, all the focus would be on that. As it is, you know, between all the DeFi stuff and all of the different cryptocurrencies and all the different, you know, the different projects. Some of them, you know, are trying to, you know, hide identity, which is good, good for crypto since everybody knows everybody's balance. But all of these things, all kind of proliferating, working together in different ways and connecting in sort of soft links through smart contracts. I think it's brilliant. I think it's, it's great.
1: I think it's going to continue. I, I want to pause and give a PSA. Um, <laughs> if, you're, if you're in your 20s or if you're still in school, um, if you're not experimenting in this space, you're going to be unemployed. You're going to be unemployable. You're not going to know how this stuff works and the whole world is going here. So I just want to encourage, as I see the people, some of them in the chat asking when Ravencoin $1, when when Ravencoin Coinbase, all this stuff, you're doing it wrong. Start experimenting, start using crypto, start building stuff, start listening to these guys with what they're actually talking about and solve these problems. Um, It's critically important. And and, you know, it's like as you guys talk about high growth, you're talking about redefining business, government, the world. And and I just feel like I think people are too focused on price, and they're not focused enough on utility and, and building the next generation. So I think, uh, I I hope to see more out there from the young folks building stuff.
2: hundred percent agree. Uh, it's not about the price. Um, the price will take care of itself, right? That's just as more people get in, uh, and, and the easy way to get in, I mean, if you have a computer that has a decent video card, uh, four gig of memory, you can, you can flip it on, just go to ravencoin.org, go to mining and it has instructions. It's, it's not something you have to spend your time doing other than to set it up once. And then it just it just runs i mean it's flip it's it on
3: you know, at night yeah or, or download an asset and and you know buy an asset name or download a wallet buy an asset or buy an nft you can buy an nft for five raven coin yep. which is what 65 70 cents right now um my daughter has sold three nfts um, through raven coin and uh my son's learning python he's also 11 they're twins so you know it's but i, I would add to your psa it's never you're never too young either. It doesn't, you don't even have to be in your twenties. If you're even younger than that, you you can still engage and get involved in this stuff. Yeah, the
2: raving so, raving doesn't have a requirement that you're 18 and have or have <laughs> a parent's permission slip, right? I mean, it's it, you don't, it's just a computer, just running software. That's it.
1: Love it. Uh, on, on that note of NFTs, I guess tell tell us a little more about what you're seeing in terms of you know I don't think I've, we've ever had a hotter NFT market than what we just saw last weekend even. Um, You know, I'd I'd love to hear what's going on with NFTs and some of the trends you're seeing with things built on Ravencoin.
2: Yeah, so uh, Ravencoin originally called them unique assets. Uh, So they had to be, there was only one of them. And so the system enforces it. Uh, Ravencoin doesn't have smart contracts, but it does, built in is the ability to create tokens where there's only one, to attach data via IPFS, which is where the data is stored. It can be a movie, a JPEG, a GIF, whatever you want, right? PDF, anything. Um, even a folder of, of files and you basically attach that to your token, create your token name, uh, costs five Raven, which at you know, today's price. You yeah, 60 something cents and you have an NFT, uh, you don't need to be a programmer to do it. Uh, the, there's multiple wallets that create assets, uh, including the core, which is free the, um, mobile wallets that are free. Uh, you just need to get a little bit of Raven, and, and you can either buy that Raven, uh, a bunch of different places, or uh, or mine it. Just mine, mine enough to to create your own NFT. So you don't really need to you know start out spending a lot. Just you, you can experiment with this for almost nothing. And then we have uh, I think it's Raven Art uh, and Raven Bay, and, and a kind of a decentralized type trading thing called RavenTrader.net. dot uh, net. I think it's RavenBay.com. dot com.
3: Um, so, yeah, you, you can experiment with all of those. Well, we've even had virtual th- uh, 3D auctions Yes, in the past through, uh, through the Ravencoin campus, which is a really cool thing. I don't know if we're going to bring those back anytime soon, but we actually had a live auctioneer. So you can imagine creating your own avatar and you're in this like 3D space with an actual, you know, actual auctioneer with a cowboy hat and everything conducting the process. So that, <laughs> that was a lot of fun.
2: Yeah, you can look up Ravencoin Coin NFT auctions on YouTube and just see a you know a picture of that where everybody's standing around in in the 3D space, and you, you can see the video of what was going on.
0: Yeah, with NFTs, it's right. it's interesting because it's like people are always like, "Oh, it's gonna, it's you know, it's the hottest it's ever been." Like just like crypto, like it's going back down, and then you, you think like, "Well, it's not." like there's just sets of these things and there's always going to be a new set of something and people have always loved to collect. Yeah. Everyone loves to collect and have interesting, unique things. Cause it's, it's a representation of like who you are and your art and like your creativity. It's like, yeah, we're just scratching the surface with this yeah. and you know, and it's not just unique pieces of art. It could be, you know, it, like eventually it'll be maybe the deed to your home or it might be your, your, you know, your ownership of your car or something like that. It's, it's not just, it starts with fun, but then it moves to more serious things.
2: Yeah. And it brought in, it, it brought in is bringing in uh, very, very creative people, which is great because that wasn't, you know, a place where, where crypto shined was bringing in artists and creative people. And now it's one of the best, best places to be. So.
0: Yeah, and I wanted to talk about community a little bit. And like, so you guys have this open source kind of community that's out there. And you've been in the industry for a long time. And what what have you learned over the years? And this is a question for both you guys, you know, what have you learned over the years about growing, like an open source community? And how does that differ, you know, from building a company that, you know, both of you guys have also done?
2: Yeah, uh, it's very different. Um, It's kind of (laughs) freeing in a way in the sense that it's like, here's the software, here's the thing, everybody come and use it. We're not trying to sell you anything, charge you anything. It's just a network of people that use it the way they want. And the fact that you can create tokens yourself without programming capability and attach it to something could be an hour of your time, it could be a gift card for something you sell, whatever it is, or NFTs right? I just, anybody can use these tokens. And so I, I think it's just attracted a lot of people. And the fact that it's not, a, it's not a for profit company, it's quite literally just software. And it's been running over three and a half years, it's gained a value, uh, you can invest in it, you mine it, you can create your own tokens. Um, I mean, I, w- I would credit the community just Literally to the community rallying around it and then telling other people and stuff. I mean, it's not definitely not something anything I did. That's not my core strength. So it's, it's but it's been incredible.
3: Yeah, same here. I'm just part of the open source community. I, in fact, I've, I, Tron and I have never been met in person. We've, <laughs> we've actually been in on four or five different technology platforms and we've actually shared a virtual stage before, but I haven't even met Tron in person yet, which which is kind of an amazing thing when it's you think about yeah. an open source, uh, open source project. But I mean, if you, even as you look at the comments, uh, the thing that's been amazing for me about this is just meeting people with all kinds of diverse backgrounds from all over the world. I mean, I've, I've met folks, we have a huge audience and, and huge community in South Korea. There's a huge uh, community in Turkey and whoever would have guessed that, like you couldn't have it from a corporate standpoint you couldn't have engineered that you wouldn't have picked that as a target market you, you couldn't have built that from the top down i mean it truly is a grassroots effort and some of the people that i've met have just amazing stories and it really puts your own worldview in and perspective when you hear about some of the applications that people have for this and and some of the unique you know applications and unique worldviews that they, they bring to it. So the fact that it is completely organic is, is one of the most amazing things about it. At the same time, I'll have people that confuse and think that I'm a official team member or something. And they will communicate me and they'll, it, communicate me and they'll say, well, why aren't you doing this? Or why aren't you doing this? And I'm like, look, I'm just a guy. You, know, you, can, you can just, you can be a guy and come in and talk about this too. Yep. There's no official messaging and the stuff that I say is it is these are my words, not there are no official words. So this is my particular take on this. But for you know, there are as many different takes on this as there are community members. And so if you don't like something, jump in and add your your spin to it. And and the good news is people do. And it's yep. been really breathtaking to watch and be a part
1: of. So how do you like I guess there's so many sides to that? It's like you're it, it's it's like running a company except no one's actually part of a company yet people actually have sort of specific roles. So like, for example, if someone was really good at branding and marketing, they're not really contributing on from a code side or anything like that. You know, how do you maintain consistent messaging and hey, this is coming soon. There's this release coming out that does X, Y, and Z. And and here's a new logo. Here's a new website. How do you manage all of that?
2: I don't even try. I mean, it's one of of Ravencourt's strengths is it's it, it is community owned. There, there are some uh, websites, uh, uh foundation really isn't, I mean, they don't control anything, but we try to help to help monitor the, the whole ecosystem, meaning there's lots of explorers written by other people, run by other people. There's lots of uh, trading sites, again, written by other people, run by other people. Some of them have trading fees, so they make money. We just try to make sure that kind of everything is running. And if it's not, then we can take it off the website. So you don't have dead links and, you know, a place to kind of go and kind of spread out into, into all the things that are there. Um, but it's not a, it's not a command and control thing. It's like everybody has their own take. Um, yeah, it's been, it, it, it is unusual, right? <laughs> it, it, it really is sort of an experiment. Um, and, but, but modeled after, after the Bitcoin experiment. Right. I mean, there's, there's blockstream and there are some kind of people in the, you know, in sort of a little bit of a role, but it's, but Bitcoin, you know, not everybody agrees in Bitcoin. And, and right. so you know, not, not everybody has the same view of what it's supposed to be, but it still works. And we're, we're, we're a little bit modeled after that same super decentralized. Nobody took any money, run it. If you want, join it, use it. It's running. It works. I mean, we, couldn't shut it off if we tried. It just isn't
3: that, that isn't how it
2: works. (laughs) But
3: but social media is a big part of this because I'll have people that'll, you know, DM me and ask me some kind of question. I'm like, I don't know, but then I'll just tag them and I'll put out a tweet. And literally almost instantly multiple people will come in and answer whatever the question is yeah uh and if any if you need technical support whatever. again we have no technical there's no budget there's no technical support there's no contact person but if you have a question you know for at least from my perspective discord is the best place to go for for technical support you go there every time i've had a problem or somebody or multiple people have come in and and helped out, and it, it's amazing that it works, it, 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 and it really does. <laughs> Even from day one, we, I mean, the, you know, because there was a team, there isn't anymore. There was a RavenCoin
2: team, uh, but we didn't create the social media channels, right? So the Discord is run by someone else. The the Reddit channels are run by someone else. These aren't controlled kind of things. Now there are moderators of them, but. People that have set them up, and there's also like there are some key people that have answered questions tirelessly for, for people. And Jarrah's incredible, uh, you know, Leon is incredible about talking about what you mentioned, Leon, in the social media thing. He, he basically talks about Ravencoin every day, but isn't a face in front of it, but but it is has been amazing. Uh, there's there's key people, but they're not part of a team, they're not employees, they're not contractors, they're Ravencoin
1: enthusiasts yeah i'm gonna make an assumption that uh leon is from texas
2: leon is from texas (laughs) 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 i'm gonna guess the underscore texas Uh, yes (laughs) give it away (laughs) yeah leon underscore texas yeah Yeah, he's from austin he's great
0: and and so john you said you know it started as a team you know and people always ask about like bitcoin too i'm like well bitcoin was at one point the most centralized protocol in the world it was one person then they sent it to another and here you go right so it takes (laughs) time to get there You know, when you had that team and then, you know, someone just created a discord or someone just created these other things. Did you have any moment where you were just, you know, because even with like a company, some people, they can't even like hand off their work to someone else because they're like nervous, like, oh, my baby or whatnot. When you just have people creating stuff, was there a process there where you, you know, you're kind of like you you knew you needed to let go because that's really the only way to do it right but well, it's like think, did you have a look like, well, how did you think about that as I, you went through it uh
2: so I, I like i like the fact that it was decentralized i like the fact that it, so i was i was for that uh yeah. it, it caused some problems uh, i'm not gonna lie i mean there there were some competing discords there was one uh there was some stuff that just you know people who were running stuff just said i quit you know and then and said project's dead and you know kind of thing with a, with a fairly large you know uh, you know kind of following in, in, a, in a channel that they kind of had control over and and it was sort of like other ones sprung up there was one people that disagreed and started another one so there's still two but one's bigger than the other and what we did was rather than try to pick one as official we just put them both out there we just put them both on the main website and it's lots of discussion now one thing i'm very very much against is censorship so i get uh, frustrated if, if there's moderators, of something that, that that they're censoring people, kicking people off for for abuse is one thing, right? Where they're swearing at somebody and you know just be, but but like they have opinions, they may not be opinions I agree with, but they should be heard. And so I try to jump in and ask the moderators not to censor people. But you know that's what that. Did, but I don't have control over them. It's not a, it's not my channel. Um, so uh, but. I think it's that it's been helpful. I I I like it. I like the fact that there's differing opinions, different ideas. I don't agree with all of them. I'll put my ideas out there and tell people which ones I agree with and
0: um, yeah. Yeah, like a kind of meritocracy. And it's like with thinking through even hiring, right? Like with companies and now that everything's remote, you know, and then you kind of think back to before and you're like, wait. So if you, ha- if like, we're sitting here in Orange County, it's like, what is, what is the actual probability that the best person for the job that we're looking yeah. to hire just happens to be within like 20 miles yeah. of where I'm living? It's the, the probability is probably like, you know, close to zero or zero.
2: Yep, so speaking of that, we have some developers that have kind of jumped into the, to the project to help. Uh, I'll call them Hyperpeak F-Dub, uh, Hans Schmidt, uh, jumped in and helped with the project. And it's been incredible. Um, been really, really helpful. Uh, some of it volunteer, most of it volunteer. Some of it, we have some bounties that people have donated to the foundation. It just holds some crypto wallets so we can say, hey, these things need to be fixed. Here's some money to fix them. We'll put those bounties out there and they've taken some of those. But mo- most of it's been very generous, volunteering their time, effort, talents, incredible talents uh, towards helping the project. So, uh, you know, again, they're all over the world. Um, but in fact, a lot of times I have to I, since I have to send money and the foundation is centralized, it's it's uh, uh, it's incorporated in, in uh, Wyoming. I have to do like either 1099s if they're U.S. or get a form from them saying they're not U.S. And a lot of times I don't know that they're out of the country until I get that form.
0: Right. They <laughs> yeah. don't know their
2: name <laughs> until I get that form.
0: Well, they're wearing the mask that you had on, the Raven mask like you had on the beginning. Yep. <laughs> Cool, we're getting getting kind of close on time here. I feel like I could talk with you guys on this stuff all day. Um, a lot of, you've been, you've been through through everything here. Um, maybe just give everyone like, how do people get involved if they want to get involved with RavenCoin? Where do they go? You
3: want to answer that one, Aaron? Um, well, you can go to ravencoin.org, uh, which, is a, which is a good launch point. Uh, you can go to the RavenCoin Discord, which is, which is another one. Or frankly, you can just ask on Twitter and, and you know flag the, the Ravencoin hashtag. Literally, the community will respond instantly. So there is no official way of going about doing it. But, and then the Ravencoin Foundation is another uh, avenue as well. And Tron, if you want to talk about that.
2: Really- yeah, so Ravencoin Foundation, uh, not a super beautiful website, um, but the footer of that, which is a monster, uh, basically, will link you to places you can buy, to mining, to swapping, to trading, to explorers, to creating assets, to blogs, to the Discord, to you know just all of those things. So, so it's like a launch point on every page. It's it's huge and ugly at the bottom, but but it's a good place to kind of just branch out to whatever wherever you want to start. And crypto, you don't have to start in any particular place. The only reason I was recommend mining and stuff is because it's zero cost and you can, you can start without any kind of financial commitment, just a little bit of time and, and you can explore and, uh, and, and the community
0: will help you out. Cool. Yeah. And there's, I want to, I was trying to go through questions a little bit. There's so much in different languages. I think you're right. A lot of this is like Turkish. <laughs> there's a lot of different languages that folks are asking stuff in, but there was just one here, which is a pretty simple one from Bart, which says, Tron, do you know how many Raven are burned already?
2: Uh, so I don't have it on the top of my head, but if you go to the footer on RavenCoin uh, dot and go to the CryptoScope uh, Raven Explorer, there's a there's a thing on the left that says Burn Raven Coins, and it will break it out by how many were burned for root assets, how many were burned for sub assets, how many burned were burned for NFTs, uh, because we, when you create those things, we send the the Raven that are burned. To different burn addresses, and because of that, an explorer that we didn't write, somebody else wrote, just broke it down into which ones are burned. So that's the best place to find the info.
0: Cool. Yeah,
1: there's, there's another a couple one here more questions.
0: Yeah, it, uh, one says, uh, "When Raven drops, please fix this." <laughs> so, so that's the other thing. Is I, I get a lot of <laughs> not, not to make fun of you, but like not them, but like it's also like we said, like like. Do not focus on on price. Build, build, build.
2: Exactly, please. exactly. So, yeah, jump in and build stuff. And like,
0: please yeah. fix.
1: Please fix this. I love that. Yeah. If you want price to go up, start building stuff, guys. Exactly <laughs> yeah.
2: right. That's yeah. the right answer.
1: There's this one from from Ravencoin. I think that's Brazil. I'll assume um, Tron. How do you see companies capitalizing through asset tokenization from a regulatory perspective and Ravencoin's participation in this process?
2: OK, I mentioned three different kinds of assets. I didn't mention the fourth. So there's root assets, sub assets and, and, and uh, NFT or, or what we call unique assets. There's another type called restricted assets, and it is for this for regulation. If you need if you have the concern that your token, you know, like you sell it to somebody and that you know is fine because they're accredited and then they give it to their neighbor, Bob, and that's not OK because it's a peer to peer transaction of a bearer instrument, that kind of stuff we do have what's called restricted asset and the restricted asset will only move to tagged addresses. And the tagging is up to you. You create it, you create a tag. It costs a little bit to create a tag. And then you can tag addresses you can tag addresses with a tag that says they've been KYC would or they've been accredited or both. And then you can tell your token, it can only move to addresses that have these tags and you can actually change the tags later or change the rules later. You can say, all right, they have to be KYC for now and accredited for now. But later on, we'll take out their accreditation. They still have to be KYC, that kind of thing. So we have that built into the protocol. Um, not a lot of people are using it yet, but it really does solve the regulation for people that worry about, okay, from a legal perspective, if I issue and it moves willy-nilly to potentially somebody in Iran or whatever, and the government doesn't like that, and they come down on me because I'm issuing and it, it's my you know business I'm selling, whatever. We have a solution for it. Um, it's totally separate than the other tokens, which are they just move just like Bitcoin, right? It's, you know, you, you sign it over. It's you know with your digital signature, your private key. It moves, um, and and the, you can distinguish them. So the the restricted assets have a dollar sign as the first character, and all the other ones will not. So you can easily know whether it's it's a, a restricted
3: asset or not. And this is going to be critical That's moving cool. forward because it looks like the SEC is really going to be hammering anybody that did an ICO. So, I mean, I think the future moving forward are security token offerings, not not ICOs. And Ravencoin is, I think, uniquely positioned through uh, restricted assets and tags to be able to fit within the regulatory framework.
0: No, very cool. No, thank you for walking us through that. It's really interesting. All right, guys. Well, we did an hour five. I really appreciate both you guys coming on here. And, and you know, I, I learned a lot today. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, any, anything you want to leave us with before uh, we go?
2: So I want to say thank you for having us on here. We, there is no, like, Ravencoin marketing department. I mean, there's Leon, Texas, and all the other people that are doing similar, and Aaron, too, uh, you know, that, that talk about this. But there is no marketing department. So these types of things really, really do help out Ravencoin, let people know that it, that it exists and what it's capable of.
0: No, for sure. And yeah, I mean, you guys are building the right way. And like for us, like I said at the beginning, it's all about bringing people on that are have dedicated careers and their lives to this space and this industry and believe in what they're doing. And you guys definitely fit that. So appreciate that and appreciate everything you've done for the industry, you know, being in there for a long time and helping kind of lead the way. So thank you. Thank you both for that. Thank you. Thank cool. You. All right, everyone in chat. Thank you so much. All the different languages and people from around the world that are visiting. Um, thank you for being there. <laughs> Um, tune in uh, next week. We'll have some more for you and, and guys. As you now, thank you so much. And John, as always, my man, this was super fun.
3: Awesome.